Welcome back to Character Arc Podcast, where each week we talk about a movie we just watched. We'll provide our own version of the synopsis, give a first impression, uh, have an open discussion about things we liked, didn't like, what we would change, and something of a final thought. My name is Ted Hong. And I'm Richard Bertelson. And today, we lived in the mid-90s. We did live in the mid-90s. We did. And what a time. What a time, am I right? You think you're pretty cool. Your ghetto ass friends. You good? Uh. You think you're tough and shit? You're just a little fucking kid. A lot of the time, we feel like our lives are the worst. But think if you looked in anybody else's closet, you wouldn't trade your shit for their shit. So let's go. My synopsis is Yo, Ruben's a bitch. Ruben. Fuck shit's a bitch too. <laughs> That's, that's it. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, okay. Uh, okay, here's my synopsis. Uh, after losing his brother to a car accident while crossing the street, a teenager decides to recruit a few young people to take revenge by skateboarding in the middle of oncoming traffic. What a weird it is, time. It is, kind of like, it is kind of the contrast of what we normally see from movie characters where like they're afraid of doing something because yeah. it's what happened to them. But no, they it seems to have... It has an effect on his character, clearly. Yeah. Just not an effect of being any more cautious or what? protective. <laughs> no, it was just a very, very stark contrast to my brother was killed in a car accident while crossing the street. Let's cut to Let's <laughs> cut to us riding in the middle of the road. Of oncoming traffic just everywhere. It just makes him feel alive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the movie is very much a slice of life of, slice of life growing sure. up in the mid-90s. Um, and it follows a, a young kid somewhere between 10 and 12 years old. The movie never explicitly says, but that's clearly I his... think that was intentional. Yeah. And, because um... <laughs> of some really graphic shit that was very uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh... The movie clearly just wants to follow this kid who meets and who's younger than the friend group he becomes a part of, and it's just about growing up, fitting in, figuring out what your place is and what your role is, and what it means to be cool, what it means to be important or to mean anything. I guess uh, my question, usually at the start of this, is how did you like this movie, Ted? My first question will be, how much did you feel connected to this experience that the movie showed? Because um, we uh, grew up in the nineties. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, we might have been slightly younger, but still we but remember it, this time. Still, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it's kind of weird because it. I was gonna say, was it just the nineties or where everyone had some like raw shitty drama? It felt all too familiar. Um, I have known so many people that grew up in those kinds of situations. I would even argue myself too, but mine's a weird dynamic, so. I do wonder if it was the 90s. Because, I mean, yes, I mean, I remember that <laughs> drama bullshit. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder, is it, is it just, is it the age? Do, do all generations that age feel that way? Obviously, the aesthetic of the movie, it's very much the 90s where we grew up oh, and everything absolutely. like that. But is that, is that drama specific to the 90s? I think maybe... Some of the way it plays out is, and some of the, obviously some of the language, which is quite frankly embarrassing to listen to, but also accurate at the time. Lots oh, of slurs flying around. A lot around. of slurs, yeah. <laughs> uh, which was true. Yeah. That, that was I remember happened. that yep. very much. Yep. Um, and you didn't think about it at the time, just like the characters in the movie don't. But listening to it, you're like, oh, that's, that's not great. Yeah. That's not. 
And to be clear, this movie, uh, we did watch a slightly older movie in that it's two years old because movie theaters are shut down. Welcome to this quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll continue to watch movies, both new and, you know, relevant uh, in recent times. Uh, and maybe some of our favorites, too. I was, yeah, I was just going to suggest that, actually. Something that we could revisit. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. We're on the same page. <laughs> but um, it felt very accurate to me in that I came from an absent father home. Uh, relatively poor as they seem to be. Um, I know that you were not of good me of like wealthy means either growing oh, up. Absolutely. And so it felt normal. Um, you know, I wasn't a skater, but I grew up with those people. With those That's, people, yeah. I remember exactly. being in the cars with older kids. Um, for me, the difference might have been it was be it was I was with the older kids because my brother was older and he was the one skating and hanging out with those guys. Um, in this movie, Stevie's brother. It's complicated. Yeah. Uh, my brother was certainly an asshole to me sometimes, never to this degree. He was mostly supportive of me. So I definitely related to the... Uh, even the look of the film feels like it could come off as something we shot ourselves during that time. Absolutely. Um, what you didn't answer is how you f- like the movie. I kind of oh, okay. know. Um, yeah, I'll go ahead and answer that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. This is a type of movie. This is a slice of life movie. Yeah. A very naturalistic, like it's not shot with a lot of flair or technique. It it is it is its own technique. It right. is it mm-hmm. is it is looking for a style that is voyeuristic almost mm-hmm. that draws us into that moment. I don't personally like that style of movie. And I think I'm the same way. Like the movie is in and of itself good. It looks exactly the way that Jonah Hill wanted it to look. Yeah, exactly. He's I very just don't want particular watch it. about that. Yeah, no, I mean that's not my type. Yeah, I will watch it, and I did enjoy aspects of it, able to kind of look at it more critically. But in terms of engagement, even though it was really relevant to our upbringing, it just didn't quite strike as much. It was engaging quite... the same way in watching our films when we were in high school was engaging because uh, we made it, and so we have a connection to it. Sure, no, we didn't make this, and we didn't have a connection yeah, yeah. to this. But we remember the aesthetic of it and the feeling of it, so it's engaging in that way. And I mean, the characters are engaging in their own way. We'll talk about the characters next, but yeah. but it wasn't engaging in the way that full use of cinematic technique can make something engaging. Could have been, yeah. The thing about this type of movie when done right is that the characters do feel like real people. Mm-hmm. And they totally do. Yeah. They absolutely do. Um, I never once for a second thought, look at this child actor. Right, yeah. Is Stevie... Um, Sunburn, our main character, you you know what his motivations are, not because anybody tells you or because there's this elaborate plot point, but because you just see him kind of look for attention and acceptance in a bunch of different ways. And it's even as he interacts with different boys in the group, mm-hmm. he gets different reactions and adjusts himself accordingly. And then you get kind of reminded of being an adolescent and trying to fit in and kind of tweaking yourself until you find what both works for others and also you're comfortable with yourself. Right. So all that works. I actually really appreciate that sort of the leader of the boys group, was, Ray. Yeah, no, he was... He was actually a he good was my person. Favorite character, he was, was a nice say. guy. Yeah. Because I think too often with this type of movie, um, with these movies that talk about sort of delinquent kids, that too often they're painted kind of blanketly as just yeah. assholes or monsters or just criminals. And no, like, particularly, there may be those type, there may be... Oh, there are absolutely those types. There are shitty people Mm -hmm. in these groups, but the reason why the groups are together is because they do like each other and they look out for each other, and so I appreciated that the movie showed that, especially in Ray, who was 
clearly the most mature. Yeah. <clears throat> he still made some bad decisions because he's young. But I like the fact that he he sort of countered, even if quietly sometimes, the kind of ignorant shit that his friends said. Oh, he totally did. But he did it without, like, stepping any boundaries with them. Although I would argue at some times he should have. However, you know... He's 17. He's 17, yeah. There's no overacting. There's nothing to be... uh, Or even underacting. It was just captured really well. Not a lot of dialogue, which is also kind of indicative for i suppose that age group also that type of they're not really going to be talking about their feelings um the only bit of dialogue that was actually of a dialogue scene between them addressing things was that last part where uh before they went skating downhill in the middle of traffic and did you think that was too much I, I, I like the fact that that scene took place. I like the fact that Ray sits down with him too. and checks with him. He's like, okay, we had a weird thing where now Stevie thinks that he's embarrassed in front of all his friends. So as sort of the more mature person in the group, Ray sits down with him and is like, hey, you know, life's kind of fucked up. We kind of all have embarrassing moments. We all have things that we don't like to show our friends. And we all have we all have troubles we struggle with. Right. But I feel like it went on too long, where he went too specific with too many things, and it, it kind of felt. Fo- it's the I don't think it's forced for a normal movie. It might just be a contrast because so much of this movie is not forced that mm-hmm. I felt like that particular. He said was. too much for his for his age and for mm-hmm. what he was trying to accomplish. I think in the case of him being a little too sincere in the way they've talked throughout the movie, it's if there's any sort of. I'm going to use the word tenderness. Um, it'll be very quick, mm-hmm. right? It'll be like one or two lines. It uh, makes them uncomfortable, like with the like with Ruben yeah, and they saying, would not be, saying yeah. thank you yeah. when Stevie says thank you and Ruben, you know. Yeah, none of that exactly. Yeah. So, so for Ray, he would have been like, you know, Ruben's got a shitty thing. His mom beats him. Right. It would have been he would have said it probably like that instead of like. And that. I like I, th- I like I like the fact that he he explains why fuck shit is his friend. Because they do seem like they have different ideals. Mm-hmm. And so he explains that he was there supporting him during a weird time. Maybe that should have been maybe those should have been the only details there were. Because those are relevant to to Ray helping Stevie in that moment. Whereas the other things, the things with fourth grade and the things with uh Ruben, it's just too much of a description of other characters without yeah. us watching the other characters show that. Mm-hmm. Like I don't necessarily need to know that fourth grade is super poor. I can put together Maybe not specifically that he's super poor. I can put together that he's shy and he's uncomfortable around people and he has a dream, right. a dream that's clearly out of reach for him, and that's enough. The movie showed me that. So to have Ray explain every single one of their personalities, maybe that's what I think is too much. Of, not not that him and fuck shit and Stevie's situation at that point, that was all relevant. But maybe going through a laundry list of the characters. No, yeah, that's what that I mean. Was too much. Like it would just would have been like just quick little details, right? That's what I mean. They're not going to say like, right? I yeah. I empathize with they're, they're fourth grade boys. because he's yeah, poor. Yeah, that's what I mean. They're not going to say exactly how. Particularly in our age, they're going to punch each other yeah. on the shoulder and say, "What are you an F word?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Verbatim. That it's a, emotional it's a homophobic slur, but which has become far yeah. less acceptable nowadays. No, than I was, it was just saying, like, yeah. As, yeah. as a kid, they were in private, and Ray is more mature than them. It's not yeah. a bad scene. I just. It felt a yeah. It's it not a bad scene. That's more why. than I think. If um, just little nuances, a little bit different, and it would have sold that a little bit better. Felt more out of tune with the rest of the movie's purpose or I, like tone. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they don't. They already avoid talking about how they feel. They all kind of like have this implicit understanding 
you know, life's kind of shitty, and yeah. or at least you know, being the things the teenage boys don't say to each other who are really good friends. Yeah, life's kind of shitty, and hey, I really love you, but I'm never gonna. Say I'm that. never gonna say that. <laughs> I couldn't do it without you guys. That kind of stuff, which yeah. is something nobody in this movie says accurately. So, and accurately but it, so, but that yeah. is the point of the movie is mm-hmm. that they have a friendship that even though it's not perfect, even right. though these four or five guys like they. They need each other to get through this weird growth part of their life, but they're not really equipped to to ask for help, yeah, to or, accept help, mm-hmm. to <laughs> to know what what they even need. Exactly. Um, also, I, I was laughing a little bit earlier while you were talking, but I didn't want to interrupt your thought because I realized I rattled off their names without. I don't think we've actually clarified. By the way, fuck shit is the name of a character in this movie, and so is fourth grade. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm assuming everyone's already seen it. I mean, because, you know, we really get into spoilers, so <laughs> we're talking about it. And Ray, fuck shit, Reuben, fourth grade, Sunburn, which I don't know why. I think that is a very cool... Sunburn's kind of a cool name. That is a cool, cool nickname, nickname, yeah. Um, and I like how that's used. Because you see the stu- you see Reuben, who's kind of the person who inducts him into the group, because Reuben's obviously at least the second youngest, yeah. other than when... So you can kind of see Reuben is is taking someone under his wing the way that maybe the older boys did with with him. And it's almost right off the bat when they give him the name, when the older kids give him give uh, Stevie the name Sunburn, the Ruben, that Ruben's like, um, yeah, I don't know why some people get nicknames and some people don't. Like, it's probably better that you don't because Ray doesn't, and Ray's kind of like the leader of the group. Yeah. And it's obviously Ruben's only saying that because Ruben's not did a nickname. <laughs> Which sucks. I mean, I feel bad for Ruben. Did um, you not listen to my synopsis? Ruben's a bitch. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Ruben is kind of trying to like show off and be the coolest, like like cool for a kid. You know, I mean this this maybe thirteen year old is right. Like, yeah, fuck all the bitches and stuff. It's like, all right, man. Like, even if you did yeah, the weird sexual encounter that Stevie did in the movie, that's probably the most of it, yeah. or pretty close to it. But it's a classic example of him overcompensating in this right. sense, right? But I, he wants to exactly. But I think he's more complicated than that than to show off because also later oh, yeah. at the party scene, um, when Stevie is deep into just all of the pressure of just he's doing all the drugs, he's fingering all the bitches. Yeah, sorry, would you... I, it's hard for me to not react when you said deep into. And I was like, don't go there. And he offers Ruben the bowl, the weed. Uh-huh. And Ruben, and Ruben turns said it down. no, yeah. Because like most characters in the movie, in little subtle ways, they're more complicated than that. Oh, absolutely. Like, like Ruben wants to show off, but I think Ruben's every bit is like unsure as Stevie is. He's... He's just trying to find his way, and also... He is, yeah, exactly. Well, I was, I was going to reference that part where they're all jumping the gap on the roof, and... And Ruben stops. And Ruben stops, and rightfully so, thankfully. He <laughs> um, would have been probably like Stevie. Stevie, yeah. And I was just thinking about how he's probably trying to do things to avoid causing any trouble at home to warrant being beaten. So then maybe him even going home injured would have caused well, him to get Well, that's the beat. shirt. He's like, oh, no, if my oh, shirt's yeah? different. Yeah? No, that's true. I got blood on this shirt. Mom's going to kill me. Well, that's um, true. Literally. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but I think Or abuse begets overcompensation of, like, protecting yourself against triggers and them yeah. against triggers and, and stuff so like that. And so you're very aware sure. of those things. So, I mean, I think that's, that was the case. So he wants to do what he likes, but he's also very conscious of what could possibly be worse. He's also afraid. Worse. Yeah, exactly. He's a, um, he, yeah, he's afraid to open up and... 
I like that dynamic between home life and outside life because I didn't think about that with Ruben specifically, but I think you're right because the movie, the movie parallels how they connect, how you act differently in one way or the other with, with Stevie and with Stevie's brother. I kind of like how before Stevie makes these friends, you almost think Stevie's brother's going to be the villain of this movie. Like he beats him in the, literally the first shot of the film. Yeah. He's, pounds on him and then he does it multiple times since he also seems to be a bad influence on him he encourages him to steal from their mom uh-huh. so you're like okay ian is an asshole and i mean no excuses ian is an asshole but he's not the villain of this movie well i think the whole idea is that there aren't really any villains no in no. this type of, i mean i would yeah. argue fuck shit should be in the movie doesn't care oh yeah we'll, we'll get to one, fuck shit in a bit be. yeah because even then with ian you see because ian interacts with stevie's friends later and stevie's friends are kind of picking on him the first time we've ever seen that ian is vulnerable to this yeah and ian kind of backs down you know like same thing when you're extrapolating like what does one scene sort of relate outside the home to inside the home Mm -hmm. ian probably beats his brother because he feels weak everywhere else yeah the only Mm -hmm. place that he's stronger or better yeah which even as his brother becomes cooler it's the last control or power that Ian has, has over, over anything, him. which yeah. is why I think when he goes to beat his ass in the middle of the night when he's like, why are you fucking up? Because even then it's almost love for me and he's yeah. like... It's complicated. It's never... You... Yeah. yeah, I've bullied you a bunch, but this path is bad. These like the drugs and the drinking and all that stuff like uh-huh. that is bad. And then he's like kind of starts wailing on him again. And then Stevie just calls him out for being a loser piece of shit lonely dude Mm -hmm. and it really it really upsets him and i like that twist i like that kind of the movie starts one way where we think ian is possibly the biggest piece of shit the movie's going to show us and that'll be the that'll be the journey but no when we switch perspectives ian's just as kind of sad and lost as stevie is yeah and I think that's kind of like what you said with Ruben. I think that's what the movie's constantly trying to show us. Is it's, that yeah? I mean, if you if you nobody has a particularly good home life. If the first three quarters of the movie didn't show you that everyone was not exactly in a in the best place of their lives, Ray would have to have driven it home. Right. Yeah. With with Ian, there's like the whole inferiority complex right. Right. i mean if you take a he look he's he's working out at home um and i actually missed part of the conversation that the mom was saying when they were at the restaurant during his birthday i don't know and then i'm also expressing the things that their mom used to do that he was mm-hmm. very aware of i think his the, the subtext there is even though we do see his mom engaging in some of the activity at that moment he's essentially telling his brother it's better now because she's better when, since right. you came here, what I had to fucking deal with was was worse. Right. I don't know if it was like a comparison. I, I really, I was still trying to figure out why he had said that because that conversation almost went nowhere. I do agree because also part of that conversation has to do with kind of shaming his mom and the only yeah. character we don't get more facets from. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unfair to that character yeah. compared to all other characters. Which actually, now that you look at it, kind of unfair to really the only major female character in the film. Mm-hmm. So for for a movie that is very considerate of how their various facets of our lives shape us to different people's views, is perhaps least considerate of women. I think she was also 
emotionally walled off. Um, and I think that also kind of translate over to our kids. So, so we've touched on, I want to talk about fuck shit. Yeah. That's what um, I was going to get to. I, I am going to kind of skip over the weird sex scene. It's fine. Yeah. I don't, we don't really need to talk about it. Look at something that happens with very young people. I don't really want to see it. No. Um, I understand God, that it's, no. I understand that it's a real part of life. It was, it was appropriately awkward. So the movie addresses it in, in again, a very realistic way. I still don't want to see it. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. That was. <laughs> I almost wanted to ask you to fast forward it because, like, because uh, I, I just no. Fuck shit. <laughs> Fuck. Is shit. clearly someone who, like you said, there is no real bad guy in this, and you're right. Because it's yeah, it's fuck that shit's type not of a movie. terrible person, but fuck shit is kind of established based on the the film's own morals and standards. Fuck shit is someone who doesn't. He's not trying to figure out his place. I mean, he is trying to figure out his place in the world. He's trying to fit in. But he's not trying to better himself in any way. Like, oh. even the misguided ways in which Ruben and Stevie are trying to fit in, it's to be better and to be more, even though they're wrong about some of the decisions they make. Whereas I think fuck shit accepts just to be kind. See, he I'm doesn't gonna, know it's shitty. It's hard to say. That's the he's, thing. He's a, I'm going to argue that. Yeah. I'm going to say, because the way he described having... Do you remember what he said about his parents? They're both, I think they both went to Harvard yes. and they all had, so imagine that. I, I was thinking of the billion times he said both my parents are F-words. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. <laughs> well, the case is, if you, you could extrapolate this in the sense that his parents are extremely organized and saying, I have this vision of you doing it this way, right? And so that would kind of entail him having have some really strict parents. I mean, I it doesn't explicitly say that. I'm just drawing I'm think, connecting the dots. Fair. I think that's so fair. what's end, what ends up happening is that now he being like most kids that age start rebelling. And that's what he does. So he's okay with C's. He doesn't want to be a fuck up. But he doesn't think that he needs to bend over backwards. He doesn't need to be special. He doesn't need to he be can live remember a good life. trying hard. When I, he was a kid, He's the one who brought Ray out of his thing. So it's right. not that he's not caring, but now he's also going through his own struggles. I agree with you. I, you convinced me. I think that you're right. I was wrong in the sense of calling him a villain. He's not a villain. He's, he should be more of a tragic character than he was presented as, though. Yeah. He is as relatable or at least understandable as the other characters. But ultimately, he drinks and drives. I'm sure that every single one of us have at least been in, have either drunk and drive ourselves or have been in the car with someone who has, just like these other kids are. When you're when you're between 12 and 17, sometimes you make bad decisions. But the fact that the movie doesn't punish him in any way, shape, or form for doing it, for critically injuring a young kid, even if the cops don't arrest him, which they would, they, yeah, when that when that accident is responded to mm-hmm. he would have definitely got it i was yeah that's actually the other point that i wanted to touch upon but even if he didn't the fact that the mom walks into the hospital waiting room and they're all just sleeping and she's like oh my god like she doesn't say anything but like the clear impression the movie wants you to get is oh they all care about him how sweet yeah okay maybe true of ray which is great that she walked up to ray and not someone else but yeah. the fact the fuck shit is laying there no, it's his fault. It's his and fault. And it's fine yeah. that he didn't mean it. And it's fine that this is where he learns the difference between meaning something and it happening anyway. Mm-hmm. But he shouldn't be there and be appreciated the way that they are. Because that's not how you learn the lesson. You learn the lesson because you're in fucking jail or because the mom chews you out in the lobby. Be like, get the fuck out of here. You're the reason why my fucking 12-year-old kid is in the hospital with a broken arm and is almost dead. 
not oh god you guys love him and cool. i have these medical bills now to attend with yeah no i agree um i think like it's great yeah that he wants to be there but it kind of almost gives out the wrong message and right. yeah i mean as a mother i would imagine that she would have been furious she may appreciate that the other kids are there yeah but not him not him not for him. sure like okay we understand the reasoning for him to want to he was jealous or he was also, yeah. what's the word? I think he was worried that his friends were all going to leave him leave because him. he he had his life view the way he had it. Right. And I think he realized that Ray didn't agree, didn't have that same life view. Mm-hmm. And so he realized that who you can presume in the group is his best friend was just, was so capable of just leaving him behind. Yeah. Particularly because they had the scene earlier where... He tried to participate in Ray's joy of, with the pro skaters. Yeah, but and he's just too belligerent. Ray kind of pushed him aside, but also it's the complexity of that. Ray didn't just push him aside because he's some loser. Ray pushed right. him aside because he was too drunk to too properly engage. Right. I think if, if and he didn't fuck, disregard it, him. He didn't. No. He, no, he no. didn't like. I don't know who that guy is. Right. He. Like actually he very respectfully very said, respectfully like, just said, for yeah. a little while just just hang out for a yeah. little while like yeah and that's where i was surprised that the movie ended so quickly the movie does uh, end that's pretty what it, much like, right after that we get uh, yeah i was like wait so no ramifications because again i mean we both said it's not the type of movie that we like this little slice of life thing yeah i'm not saying but, yeah but that's not what makes the movie feel incomplete because the movie does feel incomplete you do it does feel like oh, it it's feels just incomplete over. yeah it's because Usually a key part of a slice of life movie is that something has altered because more, a, more powerful consequences than it's usually a bunch of mundane events that eventually have more powerful consequences than movies are usually willing that the more romantic forms of storytelling are willing to acknowledge. That's why you make these movies. Right. And so you almost get that with the car crash, which I love the way that shot it's. Thank you for not putting the camera inside the car and then it gets hit from the side the way that every fucking car crash is shot now. I like just the flash of light, particularly because it was foreshadowed with... It happened on fourth grade. While they're still talking, you hear the sound yeah. of cars whizzing by like mm-hmm. he's worried. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's all you see is the bright light and it flashes in front of his face and the car's turned over. But... You kind of had to do one of two things in order to have truly powerful impact from this movie. Either Stevie dies, which I, th- which was a pretty believable thing that you thought was going to happen, was gonna happen the way yeah. that was shot, mm-hmm. or Stevie lives as he does and fuck shit's life is kind of ruined or at least severely impeded by the consequences of this action. Because that's actually more li- slice of life. Right. That was my point. Yes, that I'm. This is it's like, not, hey, look so, how realistic everything is until there are no consequences. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> because that's what I meant by there was no ramification. It doesn't have to end in like a neatly tied bow. But one thing has to logically lead to another. He we don't need drove to, under the influence yeah. and no nothing happened to that. We don't need to know how Stevie's life, how Stevie's family's life unfolds because he died. We also don't need to know how all of Fuxia's life unfolds because he was drinking and driving and severely hurt someone. But we need to know that they mattered. Right. That one of the, one of those two things, if they were to happen, mattered. Absolutely. Uh, the sort of slice of life thing um, type of movie. Um, did you ever see Boyhood? 
I didn't. Okay. I don't want to. Okay. I was going to recommend it. Um, it's not my type of movie either, but I mean, I do appreciate definitely not my go-to, but I will absolutely watch it. All right. Um, I mean, um, maybe yeah. I'll, I don't know. So uh, maybe I'll give it a shot. A, uh, a recommendation from Ted's pretty strong, but uh, my feeling is you could have shot the movie without just shooting it once every 10 years. Like you don't have to be an asshole. About how you, <laughs> it. you can but, fucking cast other people in a goddamn movie. Like, <laughs> What a pretentious ass way to make your fucking movie. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool. Almost in the same way that this movie was shot to elicit, like, it captures it very well. And I like that because it was shot in those times. And then you, as you go with it, sure, it's like, it is like a, a little gateway to seeing how it was. Uh, final thoughts. It's, it's an interesting watch. There's, there's, Again, there's skill. It's exactly the way Jonah Hill wants it to look. Yeah, very, I just yeah don't. I don't want it to look that way, <laughs> or feel that way. Um, he he cat he is skilled at capturing what he wanted to capture. Therefore, it's an interesting movie. And, and if I it think is, good. if this type of movie is your cup of tea, then you'll like it. Yeah. Um, personally, I don't know why you would take an artificial medium designed to highlight the highs and lows of life and turn it into just looking like just a home d- movie. D- yeah, like like the tools uh the artistic tools available to available to you in filmmaking should be utilized in my personal opinion. And that doesn't mean you tell any less personal or important stories. This is a minimalist film. This is a film that uses as little as possible on purpose to feel like you're watching Something from the mid-90s? Yes. I don't necessarily have a problem the way that you do with how it's filmed. Um, But I also agree with you at the same time. I will say that. But it's not bad. So take that as you will. And uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. It's not bad. Thank you guys for listening again. We will try to have... Uh, well, we will definitely have more episodes. Uh, they won't be necessarily brand new releases because there aren't brand new releases unless they're on streaming. We'll try to catch some of those things that debut on Netflix and debut on Amazon and debut on Hulu. Debut. But we may also look at things that are a little bit older that we missed in previous podcasts or because it's just something else came out that time or things that are our favorites or novelties i actually wanted to i actually thought about watching the frighteners the other day um <gasps> so let's talk about that sometime yes because someone brought up peter jackson and everyone forgets about his best movie oh my god the <laughs> i love the frighteners um, uh but in the meantime though you will definitely find a podcast and hopefully you will like share subscribe on on Instagram at Character Arc, on Facebook at Character Arc. Uh, you can find us wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, a whole bunch of others. If you can rate us on the app that you listen to, please do rate us a five-star rating. Five-star. That does help people find us in their magical tech algorithms. We are lost. Please help. <laughs> we need them to find us. Until next time, I'm Richard Bertelson. And I'm Ted Hong. Thank you so much. Have a good night.